So I, I got my grades back uh, from a class that uh, Ben and I had been taking, and I was feeling pretty good about myself. Uh, and then Friday night, I turned on the National Spelling Bee. <laughs> I am an idiot. I D I O T U E, idiot. So I'm going to try to use some big words today to make me feel better because I was crushed Friday night at, about how little I know about words. Two weeks ago, we started an unintentional sermon series. With many of you, I'm going through the three year Bible plan. I want to encourage you to do that with us. If you haven't done that, we're less than six months in. And so what that means is if you just read two chapters a day, you can catch, with, catch up with us by Christmas. And we'll read through the whole Word of God uh, together in just three years. So I want to encourage you to do that. You may be on your own plan, but there's something neat when several of us are doing that uh, together. And so a couple of weeks ago, just like our choir sang for us this morning, that those songs just won't leave us alone. They'll stay with us. I try to separate my devotional time from my Bible study and sermon prep time, but these verses and these chapters that we're in in Exodus and Acts won't leave me alone. And so as we wrestled two weeks ago about how we can grumble before God in Exodus 16, we're going to be in Exodus 20. I was out of town last week, so I had to write the sermon two weeks ago. So we're in Exodus 20, if you remember that reading. And we're looking here at, at some important things about life with God. Now, it's Communion Sunday, so I've got to race through this. So I'm always open to coffee or lunch if we need to talk more, because there is so much here for us. But what do we see right out of the gate? First things first, Moses has shared, God has shared, but Moses is sharing the Ten Commandments with the people of God. Now, he's got those people ready. They have been washed and consecrated and prepared to be right at the foot of the mountain, to be where they can be, to be hear this revelation from God. And what is their response when God shows up, shows out, and then reveals his word? How is it they respond to this report of the Ten Commandments? Fear. And it's not just here. If you go back to Exodus 19, it's the same thing. We find them in verse 16, right before the reading of the Ten Commandments, they're trembling. And then you get here in chapter 20, and their response to what they've seen is trembling. Now listen, they ought to tremble before God, and they ought to tremble before the purity of the words that were shared. But we're going to talk in a couple of weeks. The reason they tremble in chapter 19 in here is because of that trumpet. It's because of the flashes of lightning, the sounds, and the sights. Verse 20 says, here's why God has given you this word. And it's not for fear that removes you from me, but the reason I've given you this revelation is because I want you close to me. I've given you this word so that you may not sin. This word is given, this revelation is given so that they will be close to God. Unfortunately, they worry more about the, more about the sounds and the sights than they do from this revelation. And listen, feelings can get the better of us. It does for them. And sometimes even at this meal, it gets the better of us. We can feel that things are going great. But to examine our lives as we are, every time we approach this table, every time we receive this meal, to examine every word, every action, and every attitude and say, Lord, show me. Lord, show me where is it in my life that I have not lived close to you? 
where you have where you have clearly said you don't want me in sin show me where that is because look at verse 18 not only is this word given so they not sin but the 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 key of it, you heard Ben say it at the end, is so that they would stay close. God wants to come close, but their response is not just fear and trembling. They step back. They stand at a distance. Now, they're right to keep distance from God. God is utterly holy. We sang about that this morning. We heard Ben pray that this morning. But, but we want to be as close as we can be. And that's the intention of God here with his people. But they see the sights, they see the sounds, and it causes them to recoil and to remove themselves. There is always supposed to be right fear, but not misappropriated fear. M-I-S-A-P-P. I could spell it if I had time this morning. The whole point of the Old Testament, Dr. John Oswalt would say, yes is to prepare us for Jesus. Yes, it's to show us our desperate need for a, sin, a Savior because of our sin. But really, it's, it's a picture of this is how you live with God. This is a life God wants you to live, not just for Him, but with Him and in Him. And so here's this, this, this word in Revelation coming from God in verse 18. They receive it, but because of the sights and sounds, they step back and they create a distance. This word is not to create a distance in their life, but it's to keep them close. It's not to crush them. It's to keep them close, close to him and close to one another. You see that in the Ten Commandments. The reason you and I do not covet, the reason you and I do not bear false witness, the reason we do not steal from one another, yes, it's God's holy law, but it's so we can have life together and live close together. The reason you don't have or flirt with other gods, the reason you have a worship day is so we can stay close to God. The call is to come close, but fear, however God's moving in your life, whatever God's calling you to do, when we see those sights or we hear those sounds, sometimes it can make us take a step back. But here God's reminding us, I want you close. And if there's ever been a reminder about that. It's this table, which says this, this is the desire of God through His Son, Jesus Christ, that you would come close, that you would not only know His forgiving grace, but that you would have this kind of intimacy, God's grace poured out in you and with you. To keep them from sin, yes. But when fear comes, does that make us kind of back up from God and stay distant from God? It does for these people. They step back. It's a good question to ask as well today at this table. Not only say every action, every attitude and heart, Father, am I in your way so I may not sin? But Father, am I stepping back from what you're offering to me and your son, Jesus Christ? Am I stepping back Nervous about what you may do in me and through me. This table says, come. There's one other side note. And I say it's a side note. If you have your Bibles, I want to read to you verse 26. We didn't get to it this morning. And I say it's a side note until I really studied it. At the very end there, he says to them in 25, 26, If you make an altar of stone for me, you shall not build it of cut stones. For if you wield your tool on it, you will profane it. And if you do not go up... And, if you, and you shall not go up by steps to my altar, that your nakedness might be exposed on it. Now that may just seem like a side comment, but it's something we bump into over and over again 
in God's word. So much so that when you do the study on that word about exposing oneself, you find that same word in Leviticus 20, where God's giving all kind of commands about this gift of, of, of sexuality. Talking about, as he says here, these parts that are to remain hidden, that there's a place for that, a plan for that, but it's only in his plan. You're bumping into that God is different and expects different things from his people, even just by the way he makes this altar. He tells them first, listen, you know those pagans, they do their altars one geometrical shape. We know in scripture, nope, our people do it another geometrical shape. We know that, that other people might cut stones. You don't cut stones. It'll profane it. God is holy, and he reveals himself in holy ways. Now, again, the holy of holies was not given to us in the tabernacle or in the temple to keep us from God. It's just to remind us again, God will only come to us in certain ways. And we can only approach him in certain ways. He's a holy God who gives us holy expectations and so we see here this reminder to them as, as he talks about uh, how to approach him and how we're to approach life. It's, I don't think it's just a side comment about them being careful about that altar, but also being careful about their own bodies and that gift of sexuality. Um, it's sad sometimes when we talk about that in the church. I had a professor one time say it's, he was talking about preachers. All we do is say, don't do this, and this is bad when it comes to sexuality, when it's a good gift of God, given by God, called very good, and given to us to be enjoyed in the ways that he's prescribed. But it's a good gift. But we, we don't do that. We, 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 we almost say, as, as that professor said, as a preacher one time said, look, that gift of physical intimacy, trying to scare students, that gift of physical intimacy is dirty, disgusting and nasty you save that for your wife so anyway uh, it's a gift of God a very good gift of God but like any good gift only in the ways that the giver and the creator of that gift have prescribed food is good gluttony is a deadly sin things are good God blesses us with all kinds of things you will not steal those things. You will not covet those things. He gives us gifts, but all gifts are for the glory of the giver and to be used and employed in the ways that the giver commands us. Even later, God will allow them to have some steps when they get a permanent home for worship. But even later, just to show this isn't a side comment and that God is consistently calling his people to be careful in this area, there's this kind of comment in Scripture that, that those who are going up the steps have to wear linen undergarments. Why? Because God is careful and wants his people to be careful in this area. That is to be covered. If you happen to read your Bible reading plan for today, Paul's been called to the Jerusalem Council to arguing whether or not People who are circumcised, you know, I mean, not circumcised, can they be a part of the family of God? Don't they need to be circumcised? And Paul goes and just takes them to task for that. And so finally they come together at the Jerusalem Council and they say, okay, look, anybody can be a part of the family of God, but they don't need to eat food sacrificed to idol or with blood. Well, duh. Okay, good. We can do that. But they add this, and it's a reminder. And they also... They don't need to have any mark in their lives of sexual immorality. It's always been a mark of the church for us to be careful there. 
You know, when Jesus has his last moment, he's taken these disciples as far north as he will, but right before he turns and sets his face to the cross to give his life for us, the last place we believe he was was at Caesarea Philippi before he makes that march to the cross. And it's a place on that mountain that's the god Pan and these two nymph gods, and there's all kinds of craziness that happens on that mountain. And Dr. Bill Urey, who was with us in Revival a few years ago, just did a sermon podcast on it that maybe even Jesus is saying, you know, it's against these things. We have to be careful with that. And I want you to know, as uncomfortable as you are, disciples, here at the base of this mountain, when I build this rock, I want you to tell them of God's plan and how they're missing my plan. And then when the Spirit comes and, and, and the church is alive, we're about to celebrate Pentecost, where does he immediately send the church out of Jerusalem? It's to Caesarea, a place of wild perversion. And here's the church going, saying, oh no, there's so much more that God desires for you and a life that you can have in him. Be careful with this gift. I don't think it's just a side comment that God says, oh, don't be silly or embarrass yourself when you approach my altar. It's a consistent refrain throughout Scripture. Oh, church, be careful. Paul, who's arguing today in Acts 15, reminding those who are uncircumcised, be careful with your life here. He'll later say to the church in Ephesus, I think it's chapter 5, verse 3, look, there can't even be a hint of this stuff with y'all. Not one hint of sexual immorality in my people. Maybe that's a word for us today. Or we've just been a little careless in our entertainment. Been a little careless with how we with how we live or with what we do. And so we bring it to this table, knowing that, that God desires for us to come close and that he can redeem that. He can cover that. It's so graphic in the cross, that statement, that Jesus Christ, the one who gifted us with that gift, who, whose word says over and over again there are places to be covered, is exposed to the world on his cross. Why? So that my sin may be covered. He is humiliated. He is exposed so that my sin might be covered. Paul's not being a prude here or a Puritan. Moses is not being a Puritan here. He's saying, be careful. Right reverence before God always leads to life and to whatever he has prescribed. How is it we respond to this, his word, as we prepare for this meal? Is there there sights and sounds, movements of God that are making you pull back? God says, in this meal, and says to us in Exodus 20, I want to come close. I want to come close. Part of the ways that we come close, though, God says, is I've given you my revealed word. This is my word for how you live. You can come close through this word, but ultimately we come close and to God through Jesus Christ, whom we celebrate this morning. Christ does invite to his table all who love him and earnestly repent of their sin and who seek to live in peace with one another. We remember this morning that on the night in which Christ was betrayed, he gave, took bread, gave thanks to God, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. 
Let your spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. Amen.